Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. My children and I got to enjoy watching a hailstorm come down in our local area. We actually had a little garden that was growing when this hailstorm came down, and it did destroy many of the plants that were in our garden. Not all of them. A lot of the plants did survive, and I was able to go into the garden and clean them up. And the garden did recover. It did recover just fine. But what was very exciting about this hailstorm was that my children were able to see the destructive power of hail. But later on in the summer, we had another hailstorm. Now, during the first hailstorm, I told them not to go out into the hail under any circumstances because they could get severely injured, and they knew that. They understood that when they could see the ice bouncing off of the ground and how it was tearing up plants. But this time, I went out into the hailstorm. I rushed out into the hailstorm because I decided that I would cover some of the plants that we had growing to ensure that they would survive. When my oldest girl saw me rush out into the hailstorm, she was very concerned because she knew that I could have been severely injured because of the hail. And she was calling out to me and she was asking me to come back to the house. She was very worried about my safety, but I rushed out into the hailstorm and I grabbed something that I could throw over some of the plants in order to protect the plants and then I came back into the house. Now she was very worried about me when I was out there and when I came back into the house, she was very thankful that I was okay, and I was thankful that I was okay also. But she was so concerned about me that it did take her a few minutes to gather herself together in order to ask me if her little flower was okay. You see, before the first hailstorm, we planted this little flower in a small flower pot together. I showed her a handful of seeds, and she picked out the smallest seed in the handful, and she planted this seed into this flower pot, and it had grown into a little plant just before the first hailstorm. The first hailstorm destroyed it, and it was very upsetting to her because it was a very special plant to her. It was very special. She knew that there was going to be a flower that would come out of that plant, and she was very excited about it. She really anticipated the flower that would eventually come, but that plant was destroyed by the first hailstorm. But after this hailstorm, we planted another flower just like it. We planted the seed, and it did grow into a little plant. And this time, she was very concerned about it. When I came inside, after I'd rushed out in the hailstorm to cover some plants, she asked me, what about my flower? Is my flower going to be okay? And I looked at her, and I held her, and I said, Your flower is going to be just fine. That's why I ran out into the hail, was so that I could cover your little flower, so it would be fine, it would be okay. And I want you to know that no matter how much hail comes down from the sky, none of it is going to hurt your little flower. 
We went into the kitchen, and she was so moved by what I had done for her. To her, I just risked my life for her little flower. And she understood that. She recognized that. She went up to the table, and she grabbed this soda that I had made for her out of carbonated water and some juice, and she brought her glass up to me. Now, this is considered to be a prized item here. We don't get to have this very often, but she brought her glass of this special soda that I had made for her. She brought it up to me, and she held it up with both hands, trying to give it to me. And I wasn't sure what she was doing at first. I didn't understand what was going on. She's holding up her soda to me with this straw in it, and I'm wondering, why are you giving this to me? I made this for you. And she tried very hard to explain to me why she wanted to give it to me, but she was so overwhelmed by what had just happened, all she could do was mumble a little bit. And so it took a little while before I could figure out what she was doing. She was offering to me her drink, something that was precious to her, something that she prized. She wanted to give that to me because she was so overwhelmed by what I had done for her. Now, of course, I made this drink for her. I made it for her to have and to enjoy. I didn't want the soda because I made it for her. And so I explained it to her. I said, this is for you. I made this for you. I want you to have this. You have this. I want you to enjoy this. And I want you to drink it all. Thank you for offering it to me. But this is something that I've given to you. And then she says to me, she says, but daddy, you saved my little flower. And I said to her with great sincerity, I said, yes, but That's what daddies do. They go out and they risk their lives to save the flowers of their little girls. And she was okay with that. She was happy with that. She went back to the table and she finished her dinner and finished her soda. And at that moment, the Lord spoke to me. He doesn't speak to me as often as I would like, but he said something to me. He shared something with me. And that's what I want to share with you right now. He said to me, Aaron, that is what daddies do. Think about what you just saw. Think about it and remember what just happened. Your little girl presented a drink offering to you out of great sincerity, from the bottom of her heart, out of a great sense of appreciation and thankfulness. Out of sincerity, she offered this to you. And you thanked her for it. You were appreciative of it. You were willing to accept it but you also gave it back to her because you knew that this was something that you wanted her to have. You didn't want her sacrifice. You didn't want her offering. And you just wanted her to know that you loved her and that you cared about her. And he told me, he said, Aaron, you have struggled with the idea of me being your daddy. And he was right. I have had many struggles concerning this because I do not know what it truly is, what it truly means to look at my God and see him as my daddy, as my father, as my daddy father. What does that mean? I have asked him in the past what this means, and he was finally going to answer my prayer at this time. He told me, he said, this is what daddies do. Daddies give their lives for their children. They do that. And he said to me, remember what I did on the cross. Remember what I did for you. 
how I died for your sins, how I rose from the dead so that I could resurrect you and make you into a new person. I did that before you were my child. This is what he said to me. He said that he did this for me before I was his child, hoping that one day perhaps I would receive the message of the gospel. I would embrace his forgiveness. I would be resurrected. I would be made into a child of God. And then I could see him as my daddy. To understand what it means to have your God as your daddy, I believe requires situations like this because no matter how wonderful our daddies are here on earth, no matter how wonderful our fathers may be or how bad they may be, regardless of who they are and what they are like, our God is different. When he refers to himself and he describes himself as our father, as our heavenly father, as our daddy, it is not fair, it is not reasonable to compare him with our earthly fathers because he is not a man. He manifested in the flesh and lived among us as a man. He knows what it is to be a man, but he is not a man. He is God, and the way that he relates to us is different. For us to see him in a sacrificial context, to see what he would be willing to do just so that we would have the possible opportunity, the possibility and the opportunity to become one of his children, that he would do this for people who are not his children with the hope that one day they might become one of his children is a small description that I can get a hold of now, that I can understand now, I can see him now in this context, I can see that that is the kind of love that he has for you. That is the kind of love that he has for me. That he is willing to give his life. He came and he gave his life. He manifested in the flesh and dwelt among us as Jesus. And he died on our behalf so that he could explain these things to us. So that he could show these things to us. Then he showed me the drink offering that my little girl presented to me. And he gave me a moment to really think about what had just happened. And after I thought about it for a little while... I then responded and I prayed to him and I said, Lord, I think I now understand. I think I understand what you saw when people presented their offerings to you according to the Old Covenant. Most of the sacrifices, most of the offerings that were presented were not presented out of sincerity, but instead they were presented just because That was what they were obligated to do. That's what the people had to do, that that was their obligation. I said to him, I just had an offering presented to me out of great sincerity. But many offerings have been presented to you over the course of history that were presented to you without any sincerity at all. I believe I can get in touch with how you might have felt about that, with how you feel about that now. I think I understand your heart concerning this, what you would have seen, that people would do things just because they had to. They would do them just because they knew that they needed to be obedient, or they did these things because they knew that they would not have been blessed otherwise. 
Many people present their sacrifices and their offerings mainly because of their own self-interest, because they expect to see something in return. My little girl offered me something because she wanted to return something to me that would reflect her appreciation for the blessing for what I had already done for her. That certainly was a very different type of offering. But people throughout the course of history have been looking to their God, wanting to present Him with an offering, not out of appreciation for what He has already done, but with the expectation that He's going to respond and He's going to do something for them. And I believe that He showed me a little bit, a small amount, about how he really sees these kinds of offerings, these kinds of sacrifices that people make, these kinds of attitudes that people have towards him. Now, he did institute the sacrificial system that we have described in the Old Covenant. He certainly did. And that sacrificial system was a very important one. It had a purpose. It had a place. And those purposes have since been fulfilled. They have been realized. I don't want to diminish that in any way whatsoever, but what I do not want to do is I do not want to ignore the fact that when people presented their offerings and their sacrifices without sincerity in their hearts, without really meaning it in the depths of their being, it didn't mean anything to the Lord. It didn't mean anything to Him. Consider those Few people, and I don't know who they were, but I am confident that there must have been someone, someone in history who would have presented an offering to him, who would have presented a sacrifice to him out of great sincerity, who would have done so with great appreciation. I know that there must have been someone, but I think I understand how God would have seen those offerings the drink offerings, the meat offerings, all of the offerings, I believe that in his heart he would have seen the hearts of these people and he would have said, just as I said, he would have said, thank you, but this is for you. This is for you. Now, he would have allowed them to continue with the offering He would have allowed them to proceed with that and he would have allowed them to give the offering and walk away without it. I do believe that. There are some exceptions to that, of course. Consider the Passover offering, the Passover lamb. They would sacrifice the lamb and it was for them. They would go back to their homes and they would eat that lamb. They would eat as much as they could because they could not allow any of it to remain the next day. I believe that he had that kind of an attitude towards those people, that yes, I recognize your sincerity, I recognize the condition of your heart, but I want you to know that this is for you. When I saw that, he opened up a few more things to me. He showed me the entire world and he said, look, this entire world that I have made is just like this little soda that you made for your little girl. You made it for her. You gave it to her. You wanted her to enjoy it. So also I have made this entire world for the people who are here, for the people who I have created. I've given everything to them, for them to enjoy, for them to use. In many cases, they are using it for purposes that I never intended, and that I would definitely classify as evil, but that is not 
why I made this world. I did make it for people to eat. I made it for people to enjoy, to live, to learn, to see, and through it the revelation of myself can be presented to the people who are here if they will only open their eyes to see me for who I am. Because this is what daddies do. This is one of the ways, one of the small ways that you can know your God as your daddy, as your father. One of the small ways. To understand that he has made this world for you and he wants you to enjoy it. And you may present something that you have made or that you have produced. You may present it to him and say, this is for you. But you know what? That is recognition, certainly, that this came from him. And you may want to give something to him of some kind. But when I saw my little girl present her offering to me, all that I wanted was her. All that I wanted was her. Before this event took place, before she offered me her soda, all I wanted was her. And after she did this, all I wanted was her. All that I will ever want is her. Not what she does, not what she presents, nothing but her. And I want you to know that I believe that your God sees you that way. That all that he wants is you. He does not want burnt offerings. He does not want sacrifices. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your clothing. He wants nothing but you. That's what he wants. Because he's your daddy and because you are his child. If you have been born again by the Spirit of God according to the gospel, that is the way things are. If you have not, then you need to respond to the gospel so that you can become a child of God. And then he will be your heavenly father. But for those of us who have been resurrected, who have been made alive, I think on occasion we tend to struggle with what this might mean. Now, this is what he has shared with me. And I sincerely believe that as you listen to this, that he will share something unique with you. I believe that he will that he will share something with you that will be unique and specific to you. And if he has not done that yet, pray and ask him to show you something that you can appreciate, that you can understand about him being your daddy. Now, it might take five or ten years or fifteen years. Who knows how long it might take before he answers this prayer. But I believe that when he answers it for you, it will be right on time. It will be the appropriate time. And remember what he shares with you. Do not take it lightly. Things like this I document. I write these things down to be reminded of them later. It's the only type of journaling that I really do within the scope of my personal relationship with my God. This is something that I really do want to write down and put a date on because I want to remember this. I want to remember this because this is something that he has shared with me personally and it has revealed something to me about his heart. He has revealed something to me about who he is. And I am sharing this with you right now because I want you to have the opportunity to appreciate what it means when he says that he died for you, that he gave his life for you, that he committed himself to a period of time here on earth with the expectation, 
with the understanding that he would accomplish his death, that he would accomplish giving his life for you, that he would experience the pain and the suffering, the trauma, the ridicule, the embarrassment, the lies. He would embrace those things. He would take those things upon himself. He would experience the reality of that just so he could have the opportunity Because without this, he would have no opportunity because he is just. He is righteous, but he is just. And he must allow justice to unfold. You are worthy of nothing but death. And so he took that death upon himself because your life isn't worth giving anyway. He did that so that he could have this kind of an opportunity. And so if you have been resurrected by him... I pray that you will understand what I am saying, what I am describing, and that is that this is what daddies do. This is what a daddy is. One who says, it is now time to die. And that is what will happen if that is what is going to happen. That's the way it's going to be. I ran out into the hail knowing that I could have been severely injured. I did that. Now, of course, I did have something that was over my head, and so I was reasonably protected. I don't want you to think that I'm suicidal or something. I'm certainly not that. I went out there reasonably well protected so that I could save my little girl's little plant. You know, in this garden that did recover, it was the smallest plant, the smallest plant in the garden. Many of the plants survived. Many of the plants thrived. We were able to obtain a harvest. We enjoyed the garden. I used it as an educational tool to teach my children about plants and the fruits and the vegetables that grow from the plants and what it means to take care of them and harvest from them and eat them and enjoy them and what a leaf is and what a root is and what a stem is, what a blossom is, these kinds of things, what happens when certain bugs attack certain plants. It was a wonderful learning experience, but hidden away, tucked away next to the tomato plants, is this little plant, this little plant that only had a few leaves, and it is the most precious plant that is there. You, my friend, might feel like you are the smallest plant in this world, the smallest person in this world, the smallest and most insignificant individual who has ever lived, perhaps. But this is what daddies do. If you are a child of God, then your daddy would do anything that would be necessary to ensure that you would be saved. He has done that, and you have the opportunity to be saved right now. He died for your sins. Embrace that and be thankful. There is no offering that you can present to him to compensate for what he has done for you. There is nothing that you can do because this is what daddies do. He has forgiven you already. There is nothing you can do in return. There is nothing you can give in return. All that you can do is receive the forgiveness that he has presented and be thankful. Be thankful. That's it. Be thankful for what he has done and recognize that he did this for a reason. He did this for a purpose. He did this so that he can offer to you his spirit, his very life, 
The Spirit of life is the Spirit of God. He is offering to you His Spirit, which is holy. It is the Holy Spirit. He is offering that to everyone as a free gift. And if you will receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit, which is also known as the free gift of the life of God, then He will come to you. He will reside within you. The very Spirit of God will take up residency within you. And you won't know what this is like any more than you will know where the wind comes from or where it goes. You will have to believe. You will have to trust. You will have to respond and believe that what he has said is true. That when you receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit, he resurrects you. He makes you alive. And when he makes you alive, there is no way that this life can ever depart from you ever ever, because he has already forgiven you of all sin. The wages of sin is death. And so if there is any sin that has been left unforgiven, then whenever you commit it, when you do, the Holy Spirit will depart from within you. But because he has already forgiven you of all of your sins, because he has done that, he is able to reside within you permanently. And so this life that you now have is an eternal life. It is an everlasting life that you can experience right now and it will carry you on into eternity even after you physically die. When you have been resurrected, you have been made into a child of God and he is your daddy, he is your father, and he will begin to show you who he is because it is you who he wants and he wants you to know him if, of course, He is who you want. And when this becomes real to you, it is unlikely that this will become real to you right away. But one day, wait with anticipation. Wait with thankfulness. Wait, and he will show himself, and you will see that you have a relationship with the living God, with the true God of this universe. And he will show you who he is. This is his promise This is his covenant. Surrender to it and you will be saved. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you.